Hello and welcome to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. My name is Kathleen O'Sullivan and I am the host of this show. And together with a wide range of legendary leaders and experts in the field of leadership of self and others, we are going to explore concepts and ideas that show you how you can move past potential fears, negative self-talk and constant doubts in order to encourage you to becoming a legendary leader yourself with far more natural impact, influence and inspiration. We want you to be you, to be at your best and to show up in the most authentic way. So are you ready for it? Well, welcome once again to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for tuning into this show today. And I think it's the first time that I don't quite know how to start introducing today's guest and talking about the show. But let me share something this way. Our world has gone a little bit mad, hasn't it? And I believe conflict is coming closer and closer. Uh, over a year ago, the war between Russia and the Ukraine started. And this year, we have a very serious and, for me, a heartbreaking war uh, in Gaza, Israel, happening that started with those horrible attacks on the 7th of October this year. Um, or maybe not this year, 2023, actually. And since that conflict broke out, I don't know why, but I have not only been reading a lot about it and watched videos um, from Gaza in particular, which you may want or don't want to do, but it really hit me and I felt saddened. I felt shocked. I am in disbelief so often wondering how come every time certain powers are battling for more power, uh, innocent people have to suffer, have to die, have to go through torture, women being raped, children being killed, babies just born, not having a chance to live any life. And it breaks my heart in all seriousness. And as a mom, I feel highly, highly emotional about that situation. As a leadership coach and trainer, I step back, back and I do wonder quite frequently, how can we avoid these things in the future? And I don't know if there is an answer and if there is a chance to avoid. The better question might well be, how can we all take ownership for leading ourselves and others better? What are the learnings from situations like that? How can we as Europeans, as Americans, as worldly citizens, not just watch the situation, but actually take our observations and 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 help. And what I'm seeing at the moment is in particular people going on the streets and demonstrating and attacking others and um, in particular starting mini riots against one another. Palestines, people from Israel, whatever belief you have, and suddenly you go against one another instead of realizing that what's happening there is dramatic, it's horrendous. And taking this also as an opportunity to say, let's do something different here and let's build a mutual understanding. Let's act differently. 
And you can hear already in the way I'm talking that I'm not quite sure what the best way forward is, but I know for sure that when I see riots happening in Berlin, when I see people fighting one another in the streets of London, for example, and many, many other places attacking one another, this is something I do not want to experience. And I personally want to raise my child in a different way that's far more far more strongly based on openness, on listen to understand, and not on taking a position and battling and fighting one another in, in such a cruel way. And therefore, I took the decision to talk to somebody who is not only a specialist in leadership, but also who's right in the middle of it. Because today's guest, Daphna Horowitz, is based in Israel. And I have not chosen to speak to Daphna because she's based in Israel, and I'm now taking the position to support Israel. This is not about it. When I came across her originally, I thought, oh, I want to talk to somebody who's based somewhere else, who has different insights into leadership and can share her cultural backgrounds as well and how they apply to leadership. And nobody knew that a few months later, we find ourselves in this situation. And I took this as an opportunity to hear from her, to hear about her experience, to hear about the level of resilience that some people build in the midst of war and how her observations, her learnings apply to leadership overall. And I'm pretty sure everybody, regardless your background, regardless your religion, can learn a lot from this conversation. If you decide not to listen to it, because I have conducted this specific interview with Daphna, then that's obviously your choice. But I want to share my voice here, and I want to really provoke a different way of thinking and a different way of approaching conflict. And I do hope that you can take some valuable insights, learnings, and far deeper understanding with you from this conversation. As always, I'm inviting you to share any thoughts you have, any questions, any feedback, post the conversation. But this chat means a lot to me, and I do hope it's going to mean a lot to you as well. Well, let me share with you a little bit more about Daphna. So Daphna Horowitz is a sought-after CEO coach, MCC, and trusted advisor working with clients around the globe to create the extraordinary and build future leaders in our business. Working as an actuary at director level in large consulting firms, she learned the importance of developing a leadership mindset that takes you from being an expert top performer to extraordinary leader. She has a keen understanding of what it takes to lead a business and teams in a complex and ever-changing environment and provides a practical approach to leadership. She is also the author of Courage to Lead, Weekly Habits for Extraordinary Leaders, which was published in 2020, both considered to be essential reading for leaders and aspiring leaders. And when she is not helping leaders master their mindset and elevate their business, you'll find her usually in her favorite places, hosting her podcast, Leadership Life, writing articles for various publications, and raising three kids with her loving husband. The moment you will find her far more often supporting communities, coaching pro bono people who go through traumatic experiences and supporting the leaders in the world to act from a place of love and support. 
So enjoy today's episode with Daphna Horvitz. Daphna, hello and welcome to today's show of Legendary Leaders. Hello, Kathleen. I'm really excited to be here today. And so am I. And I remember when I contacted your podcast agent months and months ago um, <laughs> that I was very curious about your leadership story, which I still am, obviously. Mm -hmm. But little did I know that a few months later, when it comes to our conversation, we would be in a very different position where we are talking about leadership from a more holistic point of view, leadership reflections from a very vulnerable point of view, because of the current situation that you and a lot of your people find yourselves in. So where are you dialing in from at the moment, Daphna? So I am in Israel. And yes, it's a completely different world to what we knew only about a month and a half ago. And as you say, exactly where we started when we were looking at this collaboration uh, was a very, very different world with a different focus. And I think leadership has also taken on a new meaning in this time of crisis and war that we are facing. And it's a time of crisis and war. And it's a time of huge diversity in thought, in opinion, in yes. dispute and debate across the globe, where nations suddenly have riots happening, like last weekend in Ireland, for example, which is very close, a country very close to my heart, and many, many other countries where I just wonder, what, what is going on right now? How, yeah. how did we get there from, let's be curious about one another, let's get to know one another let's you know realize we are all human beings to let's fight our point of view and our beliefs so hard and it made me think about leadership from a completely different perspective mm. so what what's your view of the world and those different opinions those battles those riots currently how do you see yeah. it from israel Yeah, I think that, well, it's it's such a big question because if we look at something that started, you know, on October the 7th mm -hmm. with attacks and a horrible, horrible massacre that I think challenged uh, a lot of our questions around humanity because I think many of us, I know you and I both, uh, view humanity in a certain way and, and what it means to be human And I think that that kind of just challenged all of that and brought up a whole lot of fear. And can this really happen in today's world? So that was the first point. And then from there, the polarization of opinions and thinking with what you're describing, which is all around the world, uh, people coming out in protest. And what I'm really seeing is, They need to be right. They need to have a right and a wrong and st stick for what we believe in right and lose our, as you say, uh, desire for connection, desire for curiosity, for understanding, for asking questions. And if we look at leadership and we look at what leaders' roles are, and I really believe every single person is a leader because the first person you lead is yourself. You've got to ask yourself those questions. Who am I being in this time? How am I showing up? 
Am I showing up with openness and curiosity and a desire to understand and a desire to bring something together and, and bring about something in this world that makes it better? Or am I standing here and saying, there's only one way to be in this world and this is the right way. And if you don't follow me, then it's an excuse for violence and aggression. And I think that's what's really troubling here. Differences we are going to have as human beings. There will always be differences. But when did we say it's okay to be so aggressive about it and to be so closed to hearing and understanding and connecting on a human level? I think that's really been destroyed and shattered through this experience, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and as you highlighted, I wonder how quickly we come to those opinions. I already noticed that when the Ukrainian-Russian war started, suddenly mm -hmm. every Russian person was bad. And don't get me wrong, I condemn any action of war, of violence, of cruelty. Absolutely, right. there, there right. is no doubt. But it doesn't mean every single citizen made the decisions. It doesn't mean everybody has satanistic vibes in them. And right. that's that's something that just goes completely beyond me. I just don't understand it. And I'm noticing that right right now as well. The anti-Semitism in particular, this hatred against yeah. um, Jews that's happening again. And me coming from Germany, right? Mm -hmm. I feel utter shame for our history. Have I, Was I born at the time of the Second World War? No, but yeah. I'm certainly not proud of it still. Yeah. And you would think we learned our lesson. And yeah. still there are certain parallels that we can see in this world. And I wished we could be getting together and say, okay, what, what is happening in your world as a human being? Yeah. And gain this understanding and come together and create the sense of belonging again. And it sounds so wonderfully peaceful and I know yeah. it's challenging, but I just have a lot of question marks about it. You know, how yeah. we could get there. Yeah, how we can get there. How is it that in some way, in order to validate, and I'm saying our, but I'm not, I'm speaking, for a person to validate their experience, they need to invalidate everybody else's. Yeah. That's what seems to be happening here. And, and even beyond their experience, to validate their existence, you somehow have to and validate everybody else's existence who is different to you. That's a problem. That's a real problem. So you are basically right in the middle. You're not in Gaza. You're in Israel. One of your children or two of your children are in the military. Mm -hmm. You are a mom. Mm -hmm. And you know people around you who have lost loved ones as yeah. well. Yeah. So that might be a bit of a challenging question and there is no obligation to answer it. But how do you perceive the world around you? Israel, Palestine, Hamas. Do you still have a level of curiosity, openness and objectivity? <laughs> It's a good, good question, you know. And I think that if we are talking about openness, curiosity and... What was the third thing you said? Objectivity. Objectivity. Even use that word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's tough. 
It's tough. But I will say that I strive for I strive for objectivity, curiosity, connection, openness, and understanding. What I will say here is the objectivity part is hard because this has been very personal, very personal. Even for people, and we were talking together, you know, in our community, even for people who may not be directly affected, you know, if which I think there are so few people in Israel at the moment that are not directly affected. But if they haven't had a loss or they don't know a family, it can happen. We we feel that every person, for example, that is a hostage at the moment in Gaza by Hamas, we feel like they're part of our family. You know, we feel the losses of every person that is killed or murdered or injured or whatever it, or other atrocities it feels like it's happening to us and our own family and we do feel like we're one big family over here this uh this event this attack has brought us together in a way and i'm saying the israeli community the israeli citizens has brought us together in a way that we haven't seen in a very very long time and Maybe to segue a little bit just into what it's done from that point of view, if we're looking at leadership, you know, kind of there's the political and military leadership that needs to follow a certain strategy and they've got a plan and they're doing what they need to do. Um, however, what the civilians have done in terms of taking leadership has been incredible because from the moment that the war began, civilian initiatives began to make sure People have food, clothes, families displaced because of the attacks and their you know, houses destroyed. Everybody pitched in to collect clothes, pack clothes, send clothes, drive the clothes and the stuff to people that they need, make food. I personally have been involved in baking, in driving. I drove to, you know, two hours just to uh, get some toys to families that have been displaced so that their children would have something to play with. Supplies, getting supplies. You know, the army had to all of a sudden. So again, from a logistical point of view, three hundred thousand people were added to the to the army as reservists. Think of a company that grows in size, like doubles in size overnight. Mm. How do you manage that logistical operation? There's no way that the leadership of that company can do it themselves. So everybody, the civilians, citizens pitched in. Everybody did their things. We were sending socks and underwear and deodorant and soaps so that the soldiers could be integrated as quickly as possible and, and do what they need to do. So there's so much going on, but this is just an example of leadership that we can each and every person can take because if you can cook, you can cook. If you can drive, you can take someone some, somewhere or take something where it needs to go. If you can pack, you can sit and pack. If you can go and sit with a family who's just suffered terrible losses, you can go and do that. And everybody can step up and do something. And that is really answering the question of how do I show up at this time in my full humanity? It doesn't matter what your political thoughts or opinions are or what you think is right or wrong. Mm -hmm. At this moment, there was a huge need and people stepped up to fulfill that need. And to me, that's a huge, huge sign of leadership and how people can come together in a time of crisis 
in a way that wasn't obvious before. And, you know, if you look at what was happening in Israel before, there was a lot of strife and disagreement among Israelis about the government and how things should be done and what should be done, what's right and what's wrong. But this broke down all the barriers and really made people come together. And I think there's a huge lesson in that. Huge lesson. It's a massive lesson. And, you know, hearing that from you is so inspirational. And I kind of, not just kind of, I want to pass on that message to every listener, you know, if Israelis, and I'm mentioning here Palestinians as well, can step up for their people and can show leadership to support one another. How can it be that we in non-war countries do the opposite and go against one another because we have different beliefs, different opinions, different experiences? Humanity is at the core here. Yeah. And it does beg the question, do we need a crisis to get to this Mm -hmm. point? Mm -hmm. And maybe even why do we need a crisis to get to this point? Why? Why? That's the biggest question. And and you spoke about history and, you you know, yourself being German and the history it seems that we don't learn lessons. If we yes. could learn the lessons of history and not repeat them and grow from there, but it seems like we're just going in a cycle of, okay, we learn a little bit, we come out of it, we become better people, we improve our situation, and then something happens and it just drops us mm. right back into that. Yeah. Yeah. It lack does. of awareness, lack of connection, separateness, right and wrong, you know, that. There's so much nuance and we have to, I believe that, and again, as a leader, you need to hold that place of nuance, be able to hold diverse people and thinking and and situations and bring it together in some way. And that seems to be a huge challenge for our people, for our generation. And it actually made me remember some of the leadership workshops that I was a part of over the last few years, psychological safety, which Mm -hmm. means being able to share your real honest perspective, your thought without fearing consequences, right? right? Being able to speak up for what you believe in. Diversity, equity, and inclusion, huge at that. I'm pretty sure you have worked in this space around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And how often do I experience teams and groups of people who say to me, we don't have a lot of work to do. We really embrace the different cultures and so on. This is a starting point. This is an example of real diversity, equity, and inclusion when we say, let's hear from one another. Hmm. Let's not listen to respond. Let's listen to understand. Let's listen to educate ourselves as well, to grow and learn together. Where is that all gone? And it shows the amount of work that is being done. And I come back to the question you just raised around, do we need a crisis? I wonder why a crisis is happening. And my assumption is emotions take over and overpower the rational mind. We step into our system one, according to Daniel Kahneman. (laughs) <laughs> but it's an assumption. I wonder why does it need a crisis yeah. at all? So that's just a reflection that came up. We have so much work to do mm-hmm. uh, to really okay. understand how to embrace diversity in this world. And also the jumping to conclusions as you were talking, you know, jumping to conclusions and then sticking to your story and not wanting to know more, not wanting to ask, 
Yeah, you did ask me, am I being curious and open? And I think that I am. I really do. I think that I am asking the question. I'm asking myself the questions. And the way that I'm relating to this war is also from a very personal perspective of what am I feeling? What am I going through? There is so much that I'm going through for sure. And, you know, losses on a personal level and worry for my children and and also worry for the future and what does it hold and what is it going to look like? And I even ask myself, what does winning the war look like even? Is there such a concept, winning the war? You know, the, the cost and the price is so big that we're paying that what does a win look like and then what happens the day after? Those are also questions because we really, really don't know. Anyone who thinks that they have an answer to these questions, I think, is being in that box of I know what's right and that's it. There's no other way. But I think if you if you are willing, and maybe that's how I'm being open and curious, is that I'm just sitting with those questions that I have no answers to. And I'm sitting with my pain and my worry and my and an hour. You know, I think there's a collective trauma and pain that's happening here at the moment and I'm sitting with that and I'm still asking questions what does the future look like how do we move towards a better future and and what can that look like and and there aren't any clear answers at the moment and I would add a very important question from my perspective at least and that's how do people how are people going to heal what do they need to heal yeah yeah yeah, because we we spoke about hostages being released currently, right? And that's that's wonderful that this is happening. But I don't, I can't even imagine emotional pain they carry with yeah. them. Yeah, and how is that going to heal? Ever heal? Exactly. You know? I think yeah, we are facing that. Is the I don't know. It's almost, it, it, it is. It's going to be, I think, a generation of this has happened and we need to heal from it. And I think it's interesting because in a way, there's we, we have been through, I mean, as a generation worldwide, we have been through COVID, for example, which was a pandemic and a huge crisis as well worldwide that we all felt like we were in the same boat. And there was something that we needed to, do and heal from and even then there there was polarity of opinions and thoughts about what should happen and shouldn't happen very little acceptance and tolerance for different viewpoints Um, and I feel like this is almost a repeat of that somehow you know focusing on Israel and the Jewish people in the middle of it don't know why exactly but it's almost like this second you know crisis that has started here but involves the whole world in terms of what does this mean for us and how do we heal from this and it's like one off the back of another which is not a simple thing not a simple thing in terms of where we take this and where does the future go yeah and and I say it as a western European woman I say it as a privileged woman as well who's never had to deal with wars or any of these Mm -hmm. conflicts right and I say it as a mom, because since I've become a mom, I've become highly, highly emotional and, and worrying, obviously, about the future of my son as well. This is getting closer and closer to us. It feels extremely close. Mm-hmm. And 
I don't feel, and that's that's something I know challenging to say, I don't feel as safe as I used to. Now, I'm not over-catastrophizing things to think, oh, we are next. That's I still want to live a really lovely right. life and happy life that is full of joy. And I think right. mindset plays a huge role in it, right? right. <laughs> but at the same time, I don't want to ignore that it's getting closer and closer. Yeah. And that that raises questions as well. And and you raised that question before we hit the record button. How do we want to live life? What's important mm. to us? Mm. What's a contribution we can make in order to bring people together instead of driving them apart? How can we take more ownership of our behaviors and be positive role models to others? Even if we touch one person positively, and I mean emotionally touching them and having a positive impact, fabulous. Yeah, But something needs to happen and just relying on key decision makers in politics, I don't think is going to do the trick. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't think we can rely on something out there to help us get through or help us make sense of our own life. And as you say, answer that question, how do we want to live? What kind of life do we want to create for us and for our children? What kind of world do we want to be part of and part of creating and I think something has been shaken here in, ter- in terms of our sense of safety, for sure. It's, uh, you know, we thought we were on a certain way or a certain path. And and that has been shaken. That has been shaken. Yeah. So you are a leadership coach, the CEO coach, working with leaders across the globe. How has this experience, this war, your changed way of being affected your work? Well, such a such a good question because I don't even think we can talk in past tense. How has it affected my work? Yeah, yes. How does <laughs> I it affect you? Still in the process. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely right. not behind it. You know, I think a few things that I, I, I can say here. And one thing that I think it's really important to say as well, we see the polarity that exists in the world at the moment and we see the extremes of opinions. The first thing I have to say that I've experienced from my own surroundings and whether that's colleagues, clients, friends, and as you say, I work across the globe. Uh, Most of my clients are not Jewish and not Israeli and I have experienced an enormous amount of support. So I want to say that because I think it's really important. I think the media highlights polarity, highlights extremes. Not that they don't exist. They for sure exist. Mm -hmm. But I think it's being highlighted more than anything that's not extreme because I guess that's what sells. That's what interests our curiosity. But on a personal level, I've experienced an enormous amount of support. Really, really enormous amount of support. People reaching out clients that I haven't spoken to in years, colleagues that I haven't been in touch with for years have reached out to say, how are you doing? We're thinking of you. We see what's going on. And again, this is touching on humanity. Humanity. Just reach out to the person that you know is going through a difficult time or is in the middle of a crisis or a war, but it doesn't have to be that big. If you know someone's going through something, and sometimes you might not know, Check in with people on a human level, on a personal level. And that is something 
that I often say to the people that I work with because we forget about it. Mm. We have our goals. We want to run a business. We want mm. to run a team. We want to make sure everything's working well, but we forget to connect on a human level. And I think this has, first of all, shown me that, and I'm grateful for it because I know other people have had different experiences, but I'm grateful that the circle of people that have somehow been my circle over the years have known to show support and have known to reach out on that human level and they have done so. So that's been incredible. The other thing that's become really clear for me is through this is I've actually gained a whole lot more clarity around who I am and what I stand for. Whereas before, being Jewish and being Israeli, okay, it was part of me, never anything that I you know, wanted to hide, but right now it's put that in the front and center of everything and it's something that is part of my story. And I feel very clear about talking about it, writing about it. I would never write about anything to do with much more personal stuff and now all I've been writing about is what I'm going through because that's my experience and that's what my focus is and that's what matters to me right now matters to me and my community and I'm clear that if someone thinks anything you know they could think oh why is she sharing personal stuff why is she talking about this or not business or leadership it doesn't matter I'm so clear on what's important to me and what matters and that's where my focus has gone And then if we translate that into my work and coaching, it's just, there's two aspects to it. The first one was recognizing where I am and what I need. And again, that's such an important lesson for leadership in general. Know where you are, because in the beginning, I couldn't work. I was in shock. I was in trauma. I couldn't believe that this, you know, overnight we had gone into war. I mean, what is that? Nobody... I mean, I don't know if nobody does, but I I can say a lot of people, many people don't grow up thinking they're going to land Mm -hmm. up in a war situation. And the the bizarre thought that I had was that this happened literally overnight. It wasn't like there was some warning or strife or this or that. Yes, there's always been conflict and there's always been issues. But to go from that to war, that was an overnight thing. So the first thing I did was really take care of myself and what I needed in my family. And uh, I didn't work. I took off a full week just to find my bearings and my center and know where I am. I couldn't be out there supporting others, you know, coaching others when I was not feeling like I could, you know, I could support others. I needed to be a support to myself first and my community because in that week, I did get involved in a lot of the volunteer initiatives. I just felt like this is where I'm needed. This is where my focus is needed. And that's where I want to be. And then slowly, slowly, I eased into work. And I think that that's the second part is how you show up is different. So it's not like the work that I'm doing is necessarily different or we're talking about different things. But all of a sudden, there's that real connection that we are keep on going back to the humanity, connecting on a human level, because every conversation starts with how are you, what's going on, how are you dealing with it, and you share a little bit, and all of a sudden you're connected on a different level. Mm-hmm. And in fact, just the other day I had a meeting with my coaches. I've got a team of coaches that we work together on larger projects, and they were asking me. We do quarterly, you know, community meetings. And they were asking me how I am. And I just 
spoke about it. And all of a sudden we were connected on a deeper level because I was speaking as a mom and I was speaking about my emotions. And then everybody else shared something about what it means to be a parent and how challenging it is and what's coming up for them. And you just connect differently when you bring that sense of humanness to it. And that's what I was finding with my clients as well. It's like that depth of connection that allows even deeper work, even, you know, more meaningful work, more meaningful connection. So that's been my experience so far. Today's podcast is sponsored by Inner Professional Online Training Programs. With courses geared specifically for legendary leaders, Inner Professional provides an extraordinary catalog of leadership and professional development programs unlike any online training you've experienced before. Hone your conscious and authentic leadership skills with peer group, networking communities, direct engagement with life experts, and a wealth of compelling, easy to engage on demand content. Learn more at kathleenmerkel.com slash inner professional. So you said in the beginning when those horrific events on the 7th of October happened, you needed to step back and to make sense of it all, if one ever can make sense of it all. Yeah, because you were in shock. Yeah. And then this journey started that you are in still and will probably be in right. of asking yourself, who am I? Yeah. So what are your latest reflections on those questions? What do I need and who am I? <laughs> You're asking me such good questions. I feel Thank Kathleen, you. we like uh, <laughs> having a bit of therapy here for me. Thank you. <laughs> yeah based of coaching here we yeah, go yeah exactly <laughs> based of coaching um i'd say a therapeutic process let's just say <laughs> um it's a question that i ask myself all the time now who am i what is my contribution how do i want to show up and for everyone it's different for everyone it's different I still, uh, I spoke to someone over this period where they said they do a lot of work. They live in Israel. They do a lot of work globally and they still don't tell everyone that they live in Israel because they maybe are a little bit scared of what that would mean for their business. And, and everybody takes it differently. But I think the question of who am I, firstly, it's a lifelong journey question, but something like this, really makes me want to seek more clarity around that. Like really be clear. So I think part of it is being clear. I'm Jewish. I'm Israeli. This is what I stand for. Uh, while I might not agree with my government's decisions and, and policy and strategy, I am now choosing to trust that they are in charge and they are leading this thing, whether I like it or not. And they need our support as citizens to get through this time. So, so that's become incredibly clear to me. And, and the second part of that is how do I want to show up at this time? And the link there for me is really about focusing on what matters, focusing on really, really what matters and allowing myself that space and serving. How do I serve? So that's something that I've also done is, you know, bringing more of my volunteer activities uh, to align with me being a coach. So how can I help at this time? And that is around 
you know, running workshops that help people. I'm not a trauma expert, as you know, as coaches, we're not trauma experts, we're not therapists, we don't delve into those spaces. Uh, but we can help people gain clarity around what they're feeling and how they can build resilience and find their resourcefulness at this time because I think that's what's really important. So there's a place of honoring the feelings, the trauma, the pain, and at the same time saying, how do I find a way to connect to my inner resilience and inner resourcefulness to get through it? And that's something that I've been working with and also offering even pro bono sessions. I think another element that has really been highlighted over this period is that while we're at war, and that's a completely no, not normal situation, our life still needs to carry on as normal. You know, our businesses need to run, the economy needs to run, people need to come to work, managers need to manage, CEOs need to lead their business. How do you do both? And that's become such a question because there are many challenges, you know for managers and leaders who are leading teams of people where half your people might not be there. Some of the people might be spouses of people who are soldiers who are have been called up to reserve duty to serve. Um, and the ones that are there, how present are they? You know, your focus is not the same. Your ability to be as productive is not the same. Everybody is figuring out their own questions. So there's a real area there of how do managers lead at this time trying to maintain and sustain their businesses. So there's there's a lot going on. So I'm looking for, going back to the who am I question. How can I serve and how can I help from the area that I know and love so much, which is coaching? It brings up so many reflections and it reminds me of something as well. I spoke to another guest a while back and we were talking about the different identities we all carry and I think the last point you made about how do managers show up as leaders it's this identity of and I'm building the first connection to this human connection you were highlighting earlier on how can I go on a more deeper human level in this moment with other people where we ask ourselves this real question how are you really doing Mm. and How listen to what's really, really going on for them yeah. without yeah. this need of I need to be the strong one and I need to hold it all together and I need to be a professional and whatever other beliefs we may hold. Yeah. But there will also be moments where your key identity is I am the strong leader who you know supports other people to be quote-unquote weak in the moment. Yeah, I, I think weakness is sometimes needed just to find this shoulder to lean on Mm-hmm. When you can't be the one who carries other shoulders in this moment. Right, right. And that might be an identity of yours you have to step in. And then you mentioned the economical um, aspect of it. We need to keep economy going. Yes. So how can we focus on the strategy and how we can still keep business going and still keeping it successful? We have a very bright people, a lot of bright people in your country. right? So how can we keep them engaged right. and motivated? Right. Um, and what what I want to share here is really be aware of those changes in your identity. We don't just hold one. We have multiple of those in us and we will know when they feel real and which one is needed. So tap into those. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. That requires us to realize them, to acknowledge them, to notice them. And those are those moments that 
you seemingly took and will be taking in the future as well to say, okay, what's going on for me right now? Mm-hmm. Where am I? Mm-hmm. It's exactly what you're saying, that interplay, because it's, for me, so important to remember that as a leader, you've got to go back to self. What do I need right now? Because if I, ha- I have the identity of a manager, the identity of a, uh, a parent, perhaps, the identity of a friend or a son, the identity of a, uh, I don't know, community leader. It could be many different identities. But in order to really bring all of those together, I think you've got to start with where am I? Where am I right now? How am I really doing? And connect to that because from that place, you can feed the different identities that require different elements of action at different points in time. If you're ignoring that center, that base, I think it's really, really hard to manage because then I think that's a recipe for burnout, actually. Trying to give in all the different roles and in all the different identities without restoring your base, if you want to call it that, your center. And what I usually need to get into that center, sometimes more successfully than other times, is a support network around me. Mm. And there might be two or three people who I utterly trust. And I trust them in particular that they will hold up a very honest mirror, right? Yeah. Who do you have around you who supports you through yeah, thick and thin? Yeah, thank you for that question. It's uh, I think there are different levels of that support network, and it's so important to look at them all. I think for me, first and foremost, is my close family, my husband and my children. We are an incredible close support. And I will say, as much as as a mom, I will be a support to my children, I find it the other way as well now. They are older, they're bigger, so (laughs) they really are amazing that way. So I think the family, there's friends. I've got a couple of close friends that I can really uh, lean on. And I think you need to look beyond as well. I think you need to sometimes go outside of your kind of natural or or close support systems in terms of what's right there, your family, friends, is to professionals. Because some of the stuff has been really hard to deal with. And I certainly have had some professional support to deal with Uh, the anxiety, the sleeplessness, the worry. And and that looks very different to me because I like to dabble in different modalities. So I think you've got to really find what works for you. And it doesn't have to be one way. Again, it can be be open, experiment, play with different things. I've played with things that I've never even done before. And it, it's provided me with a lot of support and relief. So, yeah, I think that in, in, in some cases, I, I would even venture to say, You don't have to wait for an extreme situation to look for a support that might look different to what you expect. Start playing with what would be a supportive environment for you. And I'm I'm saying for some people, it could be going for a massage. It could be going to a therapist. It could be going for yoga and sport. So for me, a big thing has been keeping my running going. So even though through this period, Uh, it's a real effort to keep my energy levels up. I have been pretty good about making sure that I go for a run at least three times a week. 
Because even when I don't feel like it, I know that that is part of my support system. So what I'm saying is support system can look different and can be different things that can hold you up and give you energy. Um, so I, I, I will add to that as well. I think social connection from places that you might not expect. Like I said, I had this meeting with my team of coaches and it really turned into a most beautiful, supportive conversation as well. So there are lots of places for me to draw on. And thank you for asking that question because it made me think about it even more. And I would say, you know, for you listening, look for those support places and look for those places even where you don't expect because it's important. It's important. And even if you're not going through a crisis, to have that way of being held and supported through difficult times. And, and thank you so much for mentioning that supportive group of coaches again. Because mm. that, that's a message that I want to stress. So many individuals, not just leaders that I'm talking to, say, how can anyone make time for these connections on top of everything else? Because right. man, this world has become very, very demanding, right? Faster, high expectations, often lack of resources, and so on and so forth. And then to sit down with somebody and to have a deep and meaningful yeah. conversation might not yeah. be at the top of your list. Yet, it can offer so much. Exactly. Right? It's so true what you're saying. It is so true. We might not know that we need it, mm. but after you have that experience, it is so fulfilling and it fills you up. Mm. It really increases your strength and resilience. Mm. That's what it is. Mm. And I have had to, I have to say, I've had some amazing experiences over this time where you know people are offering different things. So I thought, well, let me try. But you know, one thing, for example, is uh, intuitive writing, you know where you just write what's in your head and you put it down on a page and you do it in a group and there's yeah there's a bit of a methodology but it was so incredible to see what came out of my mind and through the process how you gain clarity so that was incredibly rewarding for me and in fact I even decided I wanted to continue so I kind of created a group and decided to do it once more with other people you know There's so many things that you can do that are different that you might not have heard of that can offer support in a way of just reflecting and getting clarity with yourself and building resilience. And it makes me think of how we often think, and I'm guilty, that we can just do it ourselves, you know, that we can manage, as you say, I don't have time for this level of connection or, you know, what are you talking about? Everything's going well. Everything's smooth. I don't need it. Actually, no, you do. You do need it. And don't wait for a crisis because that's what, I don't know, I find that's what gives you your life meaning and it fills you up with energy. It fills you up instead of going through your day and ending your day feeling drained and exhausted. And then you just need to you know, chill out in front of Netflix or whatever it is. And I want to say, actually, at work, you can save a lot of time. I'm pretty sure I mentioned it on other episodes. So apologies for uh, repetition, but repetition helps, right? And uh, <laughs> building that memory muscle. Um, it, it can really save time. 
those connections that you are building, the information you receive about the person, the people involved, but also about the topic, right? You listen more actively. So therefore you actually take more in than having another meeting just to double check what they actually shared with you. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the deeper connections, the trust you may have built can help you overcome future challenges much more quickly. Exactly. So, So it's an investment you may get a really amazing return on that investment. Yeah. Well, we know when we're feeling overloaded, stressed, like we've got a whole lot of things to do and this to-do list just keeps growing and you're running from one task to the next and you're getting things done. Of course, you're getting things done. But as you go through your day, your energy just drains and drains and drains. And by the end of the day, you're like, oh, I'm exhausted and I've got still this long to-do list to get through. And then you push yourself to do one more thing and you push yourself to do one more thing. And my question is, are you actually being that productive? If you would take that hour off and go and have a really beautiful connection with a friend or a partner or a colleague or a professional, coach, therapist, intuitive writing, tapping, massage, whatever it is that works for you, You could come back after that hour and knock down way more on your to-do list with a better feeling and actually also be more productive. And bringing those things into our life is critical because we think we are being productive by pushing and pushing and one more and one more and pushing through the exhaustion. But actually we're not. We're not being productive that way. Let that sink in and ask yourself, how often do you rush through today? And wondering in the evening why A, you are so exhausted and B, what you've really achieved. And I don't want to play down everything you achieve, but is it really the meaningful stuff? Is it really something that offers you the sense of progress? And not just you, others around you as well. And I'm going to repeat something you said. Is it filling you up? Because Mm -hmm. Daphna, when you said those conversations really fill you up. I I couldn't help myself but laugh and feel real joy inside my body. It felt really, really good. Mm. And I often forget to ask myself this this question, what is it and who is it? It really fills me up. And it has to be me as well, by the way. Right? I'm the key driver of it. But am I surrounding myself by other activities and individuals as well? And I know you wrote about that as well. Who do you surround yourself with? They give me this positive energy. Right. Or am I actually not even thinking about it? And every yeah. day is like, well, a bit of a negative groundhog day. Exactly. Exactly. And I do think that social media has a part to play there as well. Keeps us in that exhausted groundhog day. It's like that little adrenaline hit when we're scrolling through. And I think now for us here, it's been a huge challenge because we want to know are we curious we want to know what's happening and we keep dipping into the news and when I find myself having a day where I've just consumed way too much news I stop myself and go no I can't do it I must stop it's not good for me I notice the change in my mood when I have spent uh, many hours scrolling and you think oh wartime it's important to keep it's actually not you can update yourself on what's going on you know a little bit in the morning a little bit in the evening you don't have to be scrolling through the stories and the news and getting more and more depressed with each 
depressed, anxious, worried with each story that you're reading. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is rehashing and bringing up the same emotions. It's not actually giving you new information. So I think we have to also be quite conscious of how and what we consume. And I take that message on board. Before we hit the record button, I told uh, Daphna that I probably watched too many videos from Gaza in particular. And as a mom, seeing kind of the pictures yeah. of so many children that have died and have been murdered and so on on both sides, it's ah, uh, it's painful. And I had some sleepless nights over it uh, as well. And I had to tell myself and my husband um, holds me accountable for it. And I have to reduce the intake. Because you highlighted also earlier on, you know, media are polarizing too. And if you watch too much of it, what's your opinion? Is it shaping? Yeah. What do you right. notice about right. that? And, and I think it, you have to be very, very careful about what kind of information you take in, how often, while still remaining educated. Mm -hmm. Right? And, and that's that difficult balance to strive. Yeah. It is. It is. It's something that we have to really, really keep a close watch on because, yeah, it can go either way, I suppose. Complete disconnection, which I don't think is good either, yeah. or complete absorption, which is also pretty damaging. In social media that you highlighted, I think, is a really good example. It also drives comparison. Mm -hmm. You know, um, oh, my God, they live this amazing life. I don't. Or comparison also in terms of war. You report now more about um, Palestinians. What about us in Israel and vice versa? And I really saw messages like these. And I'm like, can we focus again on mm. what's what's really happening? So social media, I think, is a really tricky one. And I implemented a detox day. And um, I, I reduced my scrolling tremendously. Really? Because as you said, it has a mental effect. And I'm one of the business owners who really struggles with social media, who if I if I had the perfect choice, I yeah. would probably go off it completely and say I don't really want a lot to do with it because it drags me into that spiral right. that I find very hard to control. Um, and it feels like a negative spiral. But in my industry, in our industry, it is still quite important to share your right. view to your importance. And we talk about how can we be positive influences for others. And uh, that's that's also the nature of social media, that it shares messages widely. Right. So it, it is a little bit this, yeah, the challenge, personal challenge for me. If yeah, I could I outsource that completely, I would. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm curious about two points that I still have on my list and that I would love to cover <laughs> with you, Daphne. Um, yes. Adventure being one of them, positive adventures. Yeah? yeah. And when I read about you first and I read that you climbed Kilimanjaro, you learned how to play the saxophone. I think you are a pastry chef. You're an author <laughs> of two books, if I remember that That's correctly. Right. Uh, you highlighted that you are a mother a few times. That's a role in itself. And I'm pretty sure I forgot a few things. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, how does she do it? But most importantly, how do you make decisions about the adventures you go on? <laughs> what do they offer you? Um, you know, what, what are the learnings that you embraced uh, after you have done these kind of adventures? Yeah. I'm just overall yeah. very, very curious about it. Uh, thank you. 
Um, I think that the way that I really live my life, and I think it's just part of my personality, is that if there's something that's interesting and exciting and looks like an opportunity to me, I will say yes. <clears throat> and I think that's been a little bit of a lesson that I also have to learn about balance, right? Because you can also say yes to, to way too much. But when it comes to something, an adventure, something to learn, something to do, something different, um, I tend to say yes, let me try, let me try. You know, you can always you can always decide you don't like something after you've tried it, but you can't decide you don't like it if you haven't tried it. So my philosophy is give it a try and then see if it's something you want to continue or not. So even Kilimanjaro, great example. I mean, I always laugh about this because I'm really not a sporty person, did not grow up sporty at all. In fact, I mentioned that I'm, I run, but it's always an effort for me. It's always getting out the door <laughs> every time I plan to run is a big effort. And I do it anyway, because I know it's good for me and I do enjoy it after I get out the door. <laughs> but Kilimanjaro was a bit of a challenge for me to take something on that looks difficult, physically challenging, but also something that I really do love, with, which is nature and being in that kind of environment. And I know that when, you know, when I went, people asked us two questions. We went to a group of women, 18 women, and people asked us two questions. Firstly, why are you doing this? Are you like, are you crazy? And the second question was when we came back, would you do it again? And I don't think I would run to do it again. You know, it was hard. It was hard for me. It was challenging. It was also incredibly rewarding and magnificent. And as I love spending time in nature, but taking it to that extreme, am I looking for the next mountain to climb to make it more challenging? No, but I did it. I tried it. I know what elements I like and took out of it, which were a lot, but I don't know that I need to do it again. You know, so I think that's for me. Try something once and see if you like it in order to decide if you want to do it again or not. And for me, Kilimanjaro gave me a lot. I mean, I wrote a book out of it. It was the metaphors between climbing a mountain and leadership and living life are so many. And for me, there was a lot of personal reflection in that whole journey, a lot of personal reflection. Every story meant something to me. And, and actually, that's why I wrote the book about it afterwards. It was a way of processing the experience as well. But I do really, really believe that for me, it's important to have variety to have fun fun is a value and to challenge myself and to try new things and that's part of my decisions to do all of these different things how do you choose them I, mean, <laughs> I, I learned to play the guitar years and years ago never thought of the saxophone and I love jazz for example how, how do you make these choices I guess <laughs> it just comes to me but I don't know the the Kilimanjaro idea came through. I was supporting a nonprofit organization at the time, and we were thinking about a fundraising idea. And then I remembered a client of mine who said to me that it was their dream to climb Kilimanjaro. And I said to him, "But uh, don't you need to be a mountain climber to do it?" And he said, "No, no, no. You, it's a tough hike, but you can do it." So then that planted the seed. So then I. Put to it to well, let's do a fundraising climbing Kilimanjaro story. And so, so I think if you just look for connections in your life, the saxophone 
I've always loved brass instruments. I'll tell you the story. My parents decided that every single way, three children, I've got two siblings, and we all had to learn the piano, okay? My brother and my sister play to this day. I do not play the piano, and I don't <laughs> even go near a piano because it was not an experience that I enjoyed. I was forced to practice every day, and I hated it, absolutely hated it. But I always loved brass instruments, and somehow the saxophone was always seemed really cool to me, you know, and also didn't seem like uh, an instrument that women in general pick up. So I thought mm, that would be really cool. You know, it's like a little bit of challenging the boundaries, stretching the boundaries and doing something that might be fun. And I actually decided to pick it up much later on in life. I thought, oh, you know, now's the time. Let me, let me do it, you know. And you're so still playing? I actually have not played for a while, which I miss it. And I, I feel like I want to say I should, but I always say you don't do what you should do. You do what you want to do. Um, I miss it and I want to go back to it. But I've actually, yeah, I think I haven't played for about a year or two even. It's about time to pick it up again. I always thought that playing an instrument and I need to pick it up as well. I'm I'm saying to myself, once my son starts learning an instrument, I will go with him and we do it yeah. together. But you know what? I should just go and do it because once yeah. you have this niggly feeling where you say, oh, I miss it. And actually, I want to get back into it. Yeah, That's a good sign, right? That Absolutely. your body is craving for something or your mind Absolutely. is craving for something. And I think also having some accountability with it. Like for me, that works. Like, so I know if I'm not having lessons, it's harder for me to actually play. Once mm -hmm. you're having lessons and you know you have to, you, you need to show up for your lesson and then you need to practice to mm -hmm. actually get value from the lessons. It gets you into this routine. Mm -hmm. Same with the, with the running. You know, if I have races that I'm running towards, then I'm much more likely to be running regularly than if there isn't something going on. So I think we also have to find our way of what's going to hold us accountable and keep us engaged with the activity. Yeah. And by the way, all the activities you mentioned are activities that can get you into almost trance, into a certain flow state where right. you are not getting distracted by all sorts of other things, scrolling around and so on and so forth, and where you can truly be in the moment yeah, which our body and mind needs to yeah. recharge the batteries, so the true. sense of being. So true. I think that music plays a big part there. Like playing the saxophone for me is such a it's such a mind body experience that you actually I feel I use very different parts of my brain to what I normally use, and it is it's almost like a real break because you're focusing, but you're focusing in a very different way. It's true. I love what you're saying about the flow state. Well, taking this word focus, when we started our conversation, we talked about crisis, chaos. And we still find ourselves in that chaos, you more than I do. Mm -hmm. um, and I would like to end our conversation with perhaps slightly more clarity. Because one of the um, information you share on your website in particular is you help leaders to go from chaos to clarity. Mm. first question was well why not embracing chaos a little bit right? <laughs> it can shake us up as well and it can have some good benefits point. good point good point <laughs> and my second question was well and then how to get to clarity 
And yeah, um, I would love to hear some of your insights, your experiences with your clients or that you took away from your clients as well, how they got to a point of clarity. Mm. Huh, such such a lovely question, because it's, you're reminding me that I wrote that on my website way, way before <laughs> the situation, right? <laughs> And I think you're right. There is something about embracing chaos that's important. So what I would say about that is that uh, the chaos and the the confusion and the distractions uh, seem to unnerve us when we're sitting in this place of extreme uncertainty where we just really don't know and we feel overwhelmed. That's the kind of chaos I'm referring to. It really does unsettle us. There's so much going on. There's so much noise. There's so much distraction that we really can't seem to find our clarity and our point of center and where I want to go. And we feel like we're going in so many different directions or pulled in so many different directions that it's difficult to know what decision should I make? What should I do? What's the right thing? How do I take a step forward? And that throws us into turmoil and chaos. So I think what I want to say here is that the unsettle, when it unsettles us and, it, and we feel like we're in turmoil, we want to find a way out. And at the same time, there is something about acceptance that life is like that, right? Life is going to throw chaos at us. It's going to throw uncertainty at us. And, you know, we're really experiencing now and, and living it now. And that, that's the element of, okay, accepting that it's there, embracing it from the point of view of we can't wish that there would be no chaos because that's just not how life is. We've got to accept that it's there. But from there, how do we create clarity in the chaos for us so that we don't land up in this whirlwind of, uncertainty and not knowing where to go from here and I think this is the the point that I really like to work with because in my own coaching and, and here's to just get to how do you get to that point of clarity I find that through coaching and and this is I suppose something that I find often happens with my clients and that's it's this aha moment that is just such a joy that when someone comes in with so much going on and we all have a lot going on in our life and we sometimes can't see our way through and how do we do the next thing and what do we do next or what do we do now or how do we hold it all together through the conversation and the questions and the full acceptance of who you are as a human being and what is your way in the world. There's no one size fits all. It's like really getting to understand yourself and understanding who you are and how you want to show up. And through talking and questioning and remaining open and curious, all of a sudden, this clarity suddenly emerges. So... I don't know if that makes sense to you, what I'm describing, because it's almost it's like you have to go right into the chaos, accept that, accept who you are within that and have conversations and curiosity around that in order to really be able to emerge into, okay, what does it mean for me? So what do I do with this? What is the next decision I have to make? I feel a lot of, a lot of leaders, if you look at their day-to-day most of their day is about making decisions. Really, really. Everything that they go to from one thing to the next 
is making some sort of decision. You've got so much information and so much going on. It's not always easy to see what decision you want to make. And I'm not even talking about right or wrong decision because often there isn't. But what is the decision that's going to help me feel really aligned with who I am, what I'm doing in this world, and the contribution that I want to make? And that's the clarity that you want to have. I think you also build a really nice connection again to the point of what are my needs? What are my identities? Mm-hmm. When you exactly. when you describe this sitting in the chaos and making sense of it, I think that's often the moment. And I've experienced that just recently um, where I asked myself the question, who am I and what are my identities? But I almost had to be in that chaos first in order to be triggered to ask those questions that are so right. important. So that's a right. beautiful, yeah. um, as I said, closure of that cycle. Right. It's true. I think I think what you're saying is that that, that chaos uh, requ- requires you or requires that question to emerge, requires you to really look at it. Because I guess when things are pretty clear and pretty smooth and things are going exactly the way you want, What's going to make you ask that question? And I want to ask the audience a question. And then I have one last question for you, Daphna. The question for the audience is, what is one teeny tiny thing, an action, a certain change of behavior, mindset change that you can show in this world to have a positive impact on others? That's the one question I want to leave you with here today. And the question I have for you, Daphna, is... Where can people find you or find out more about you, better said? Ah, okay. That's an easy one to answer. I'm really present on, on various channels. So I've got my website, which is DaphnaHorovitz.com. There's uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, although LinkedIn is my main platform. Uh, YouTube, you can find me on there as well. Daphna Horowitz, just search for my name and... Uh, you'll find, you'll find where to find me. <laughs> Daphne, thank you so much for coming on the show, for being so incredibly open and vulnerable and sharing amazing insights with us from a world of war that shares so many lessons of leadership. So thank you so, so much. Thank you, Kathleen. I want to say thank you for the conversation. I think it's not an easy conversation to have especially with the polarity that exists in the world today. But it's an important one to just give presence to our personal experience and our human experience in this. And I want to really acknowledge you for, you know, taking that bold step and for having me on your show. I've really enjoyed our connection. So thank you. And you know what? Most importantly, I want you to look after yourself, look after all your loved ones, And I will certainly check in in the near future again and stay safe. That's the most important thing. Thank you, Kathleen. You too. Thank you. And to all of you out there, thank you so much for listening. And as always, I'm curious about your thoughts, your feedback, your insights. Feel free to share them with us. Daphna, Daphna's contact details will be in the show notes. You have mine already. So let us know. Thank you so much. Take care of yourself. Bye bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Legendary Leaders podcast. 
If you enjoyed this episode, then remember to subscribe to the show either on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or my website, www.kathleenmerkel.com. I would also love to hear from you to discover what topics you'd like to hear more about, what topics really resonated with you, and how you're enjoying the show in general. Perhaps you have some ideas for additional topics, something that you're truly curious about. Please do leave your review on Apple Podcasts as well. It would mean the world to us. Thank you so much and speak to you again next time. Take good care. Bye.